Welcome to the Chapel Real Estate Show, your source for the latest real estate information so you can buy, sell, and invest with the best in Texas. Whether you're a first-time buyer, a current homeowner, or a seasoned investor, you've come to the right place. We're here to simplify all things real estate so you can achieve your goals of property ownership with your hosts, Daniel and Roger Chapel. Good morning, and thank you for tuning in to the Chapel Real Estate Show, your source for the latest real estate information so that you can learn how to buy, sell, and invest with the best. I'm your host, Daniel Chapel, and I'm here with my co-host, Roger Chapel. and right between us here, we have our very special guest of the day. Um, our guest today has an incredibly inspiring story. She's born and raised in Guatemala, emigrated to the U.S. with her husband and two kids, leaving her career and everything that she knew behind. She started a brand new career in hospitality and over the course of 25 years worked her way up to an executive committee member as a director of sales and marketing in luxury hotels. We always say that she's forgotten more about sales, marketing, and finance than we will ever know. Her path came with its challenges, including an eye-opening experience with a credit card financing promotion to shifting her life's paradigm after she attended a seminar that literally changed her life and as a result, probably the rest of our families. So please welcome our guest today, my mom, Lorena Chapel. How are you doing today, mom? Doing great. Happy to be here in your show. This is exciting. Yeah. Well, we're definitely glad to have you here. I think there's a lot of value that you can bring for our listeners. Um, so why don't we just uh, get started a little bit and why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself, Ma? So as you mentioned, I grew up in Guatemala City, uh, which is a beautiful country. And uh, I had a great opportunity to attend a very good school and I was an athlete. I played softball since I was in junior high and it took me all the way to college and I represented my country in several tournaments outside of Guatemala. So that was super exciting. Uh, I was, I met your dad many, many years ago. Uh, we fell in love and uh, after he decided he was leaving the Marines uh, we look at our choices here in the U.S. and we end up in Houston, Texas. So that's wow. how I came to the U.S. That's awesome. So how old were you when you actually made that move to the U.S.? So I was 25 years old when, uh, when we moved to the U.S. I have been working in sales for a long time. Sales is my passion. So I, I used to work for maritime corporations. I worked for pharmaceuticals back home. And then when I came to the U.S., I remember even the freeways, everything was so overwhelming because everything is so big here compared to where I was born. So uh, when, I, when I started looking for a job, I was like, oh my gosh, I get lost from, from my house to the grocery store. How am I going to make this happen? So I uh, called a couple of people that I knew, including my cousin. And he worked in the hospitality industry and he literally asked me, hey, he says, you, you know, can you type and can you type fast? Apparently at the time they had lost their assistant and they were desperately looking for somebody. So he said, if you can send me your resume and I will basically give it to the director of sales uh, at my hotel and I can get you an interview. 
and you can go from there. So that's kind of like how I ended up starting in the hospitality industry. That's awesome. Well, um, you know, I remember you told me a story of how you left, you know, your car, like you had just got a brand new car back in Guatemala that you left behind. So, you know, coming here and like you mentioned, you know, the freeways are big, you get lost going to the grocery store. How did you get around? Did you come here and buy a car right away or how did you get your start? So no, so dad had come before me, uh, before us moving to the U.S. to look for a job, to kind of get everything set up, uh, the housing and everything. He bought a car. Uh, and then, of course, you know, the American dream, you know, moving to the U.S., I knew that there were going to be tons of opportunities. I had a great career back home in Guatemala. I had bought a brand new car a year before. Um, but coming to the U.S., I knew that the sky was the limit. So I paid off my car, left it as a gift for my mom, um, and literally just, we, we pack our, our clothes and, and move in, move, move to the U S. So that's kind of <laughs> in my idealistic way, I guess I thought, you know, immediately I'm going to have everything. Uh, it took a lot of work, but, but we made it and we were very happy that we did. That's awesome. Well, um, before we get into the rest of the episode, I want to go ahead and take a quick little break. Let's hear from my dad for today's chapel chunk. Dad, what is today's chapel chunk? Well, you know, uh, today we decided to do something on personal finance. So the chapel chunk for today is simply, it, it's not hard at all. When you start looking at your next purchase, you have to decide for yourself, is it something that you want or is it something that you need? And if it's something that you want, you might reconsider your purchase. If it's something that you need, well, you've got to do what you got to do. But if it's something that you want and you can put it off for a bit of time while you still work to achieve your financial goals, which we will get into later, by the way, then uh, you might reconsider purchasing that want. Absolutely. That is an, a, I mean, a phenomenal tip. I think that's something that, um, you know, everybody struggles with a little bit. Um, you know, we all have, our, you know, it's natural to want things, um, especially as you move into, you know, new jobs and careers and things of that nature. People tend to move up, you know, their their lifestyle with their income. So, um, you know, getting intentional about your finances and making sure that you stay focused on if those purchases are serving your financial goals or not is extremely important to furthering your future. All right, so mom, I'm going to kick the episode off by asking you a little bit of a challenging question, um, but it's something that I think our listeners will get a lot of value from. So, when you talk about getting your your personal finances in order, what are the three biggest tips that you have for our listeners so they can get on the right track? Uh, number one, I will say you need to define what matters most to you as far as financially, your goals, your short-term goals and your long-term goals. And starting with today, you know, what changes can you do today that will help you get there? Uh, when I say long-term goals, is it takes several steps, right? So if you decide that, you know, Five years from now, you want to, you know, own a home or you want to invest on a property or you want to, you know, be able to pay for college for your kids, depending on where you are in your life, then that's what you need to do. Uh, the next one will be if you work for a company, no matter your age, take advantage of a 401k if they offer it. For me, the 401k was a huge help. Uh, from the very beginning, I start with the very minimum, which was 6%, because back then the companies match 3 or 4%. It 
give, but the minimum that you had to give was 6%. And then as I started getting promotions and advancing in my career, I didn't decide at all, I have more money to spend. I basically tried to increase the money that I afford to the 401k, which eventually led us to utilize some of that money, which is the maximum actually that you can utilize in your 401k that is 50,000. And we used to that money to put down in the down payment for the homes that we bought for ourselves and also when we started investing. Wow. Okay. Yeah, that's a, that's a great tip. So your first two tips, um, you've got uh, setting financial goals, both short and long term. Number two is going to be take advantage of the opportunities you have through your employer, whether it be 401k or other retirement solutions. Um, and then what what is your third tip? The third one will be be very intentional of how you manage your credit. Because at the end of the day, the better you can handle your credit, meaning First of all, don't max out all your credit cards because that affects you dramatically in your credit score. Make all your payments on time or early if you can. Because at the end of the day, the higher your credit score, the best amount of credit you have, the interest rates are lower, uh, it affects even insurance. And nowadays, I even think that it affects your employment in the sense that some of these big companies, they can actually run your credit score because it really is a reflection of how responsible you are. As you progress in your goals, make sure that you keep an eye on what matters as far as your credit scores, meaning making your payments on, t- on time, uh, keeping the usage of your credit cards at a decent amount because all these kind of things affect later on your credit score and the higher your credit score, the more you're going to save over your lifetime. Mm-hmm. Basically. Um, so this kind of just came to mind while you were talking about credit scores, but what would you say to the people who are very wary about even starting you know, by getting a credit card. I know a lot of people that are just completely terrified of credit. They don't trust themselves. They're worried that if I get a credit card, I am going to max it out, this, that, or the other. So for those people that are that are wary to even get started with building good credit, what, what would you say to them? You have to build good credit and you just have to be disciplined and keep your goals in mind when you're utilizing the credit cards. Because having a a great history in your credit cards is basically saying, I have been responsible for these many years and I can manage my credit. So just remember, like Roger mentioned earlier, like the wants and the needs. Every time you make a purchase from a $6 coffee at Starbucks to buying a car or taking a vacation, perhaps in a time that you cannot afford it. All that thing, all those things are important. So building your credit is critical. So don't be afraid of doing it. Just be responsible about it. Awesome. Yeah, I think that's, that's definitely a, a great tip. Um, so let's kind of backtrack a little bit and dig a little bit deeper into the first tip that you offered. So I think financial goal setting is incredibly important. Um, you know, just like why you use a GPS to get from point A to point B. If you're planning a trip across the country, you're going to need a map. I mean, maybe you don't need it, but it's going to take you a little bit longer to get there if you don't have it. So, um, you know, knowing where you're going is extremely important. So let's talk a little bit about setting financial goals. Where did you see that turning point in your life where you were like, oh, wow, it's time for me to start getting serious about where my money is going? So 
early on, of course, when we moved to the U.S., you know, we didn't have a, a lot of income. So at that point, we had to be very diligent about what we could purchase and what we couldn't. So that was number one. So that in that way, we set up our budget, our limited budget um, from the very beginning. But then later on, I really learned very quickly that the usage of credit cards, it was no funny business. I mean, I remember we purchased our furniture uh, from a store and they had like a two-year free financing. Uh, and I was like super excited. So we bought this beautiful furniture and we paid our, make our payments on a timely manner. I, I had the basics down. But what I didn't realize was that at the end of that term, the interest actually goes back to the beginning and then like I, I realized in my statements, wait a minute, it's taking me like, this was like three months later and the principal was reduced by nothing. And at that moment when I start really digging into it, of course the interest goes back to the time you purchase uh, that furniture and then you're mainly paying interest. Right. So at that point, Roger and I, we were like, okay, I explained because I have always been in charge of the finances. So I said, okay, we're in trouble. This is going to take us 20 years to pay this furniture unless we really make it a lot of big payments. Yeah. So we, at that point, we made it a priority that we were going to basically get rid of that payment and put as much money as possible. At that time, we were still renting. So uh, it wasn't, you know, we didn't have the big mortgage payment that once you become a homeowner, it becomes, you have a lot more responsibilities than just the rent. Right. Uh, so at that point, we, I, I kind of like immediately start understanding that it wasn't as easy as like, yes, let's purchase this and that. You had to be very careful on what you purchase and the and the credit lines and the credit conditions. Yeah. And, and before we move on from that, just to kind of put it in a different uh, perspective. So uh, the, the types of promotions that she's talking about are available through all kinds of different, I mean, Best Buy's got them, furniture stores have them. Um, I mean, I, you name it. I feel like it's, it's available just about anywhere now. But what she's talking about is what the, the bank says your minimum payment is, is not the minimum payment it takes to pay it off before the end of the promotional period, right? So let's say you have a thousand dollar, you know, couch that you just bought that's financed for 12 months. Well, they might say your minimum payment's only $25 a month. What they're not telling you is that that $25 a month is not going to pay off that full balance. And then whatever's left, they now back charge all the interest from the date of purchase, not from the date that you stopped or, or, or that uh, that year promotion expires. So mm -hmm. um, and that's something that, you know, th it's not very well explained at the counter when you're being offered these promotions. And if you're not, you know, savvy enough to look into it, you're not going to know. So um, that's that's really a great insight for our listeners who haven't experienced that yet. Hopefully you can learn from her mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> <clears throat> so. Um, so continue. You said you this, this is when y'all started getting serious. You had that experience with the uh, with the credit card. So what came next? So the next thing, of course, you know, we were renting and we knew that we wanted to buy a home um, because eventually the home because eventually the home, of course, is something that you own and that at the time when you are ready to sell, you actually will get some money out of that investment versus the rent that you will never see that money again. Right. So we had been here two years and we were already 
part of our budget was saving a little bit of money towards a down payment. And at the time, because Roger was a veteran, it was only 5%. Actually, I don't remember if he was he had to put any money down, but we wanted to have a little bit of money because we knew that we were going to need furniture and things like that. Mm-hmm. So our budget, of course, included that as well. Uh, so you, you just have to be very intentional for what you want and what matters to you. Mind you, at that time, we already had two kids and another one on the way. And there were certain things that for us as parents are non-negotiable. So the, the education of the kids, you know, like their extracurricular activities, me being an athlete, for me, was important for them to find their love for something to do that being sports or music. So that was also something that was important to us. The reason we rented when we first got here is because we couldn't buy a home. I had a career change and so did she. So we had to be in that career for two years. In addition to that, we were trying to save money because we knew uh, on the VA loan, I didn't have to pay a down payment, but there were still closing costs associated with it. Mm -hmm. So we were trying to save up for the closing costs. Okay. So, um, you know, beyond the point where you had the experience with the credit card and you started getting a little bit more serious about, or, or rather intentional about where your money was going, it, it cracks me up every time dad mentions it, but he talks about how you put him on a budget of $20 a week for lunch. I, I remember we used to get that when I was in high school buying the school lunches. So I can only imagine you being, you know, with your buddies. Well, sorry guys, I'm going to go run down to the McDonald's and get me my value menu or whatever. <laughs> so, so tell us a little bit more about that. Uh, how, how y'all got to that point. It wasn't that drastic. I mean, yes, it was $20. Oh, yes, it was that drastic. It was $20, but it was a long, long time ago. And, and mind you, you know, we could prep lunch at home and take it, and he could take it with him. Uh, but basically, there were, we're still, remember, this is, we're talking about we were 25 and 27 years old, so we were young, yeah. you know, and dad still liked to have fun with his friends and all that stuff. So in order to achieve our goals, I had to give him a budget. So it was like, you know, he had $20 like for him to use as he pleased. So he could take lunch from home or if he wanted to go and have lunch, then he had to manage his $20 at the time. Or he'd take his PB&Js to work so he could go to the driving range on Friday with his boys. So here's, here's the funny thing, though, is that about that little $20, uh, I mean, I was working in the streets of Houston, driving around in a police car for crying out loud. And it's kind of hard to carry your lunch with you when you're doing that. Where are you going to stop to even eat lunch? So we would frequently meet with my buddies, at, you know, my beat buddies or whatever at different different restaurants. And, I mean, I had 20 bucks, and I was smoking at the time, too. So that included my cigarettes and whatever I wanted. It was 20 bucks to do mine with whatever I wanted. So, I mean, again, we get back into being intentional and wants versus needs and all that. So I didn't like it. But to be honest, it was probably, no, not probably, it was the absolute best strategy uh, moving forward, without a doubt. Needless to say, he had to quit smoking fairly soon, right? Yeah. There was not enough money for smoking. That $20 budget wasn't going to cut it. No, it wasn't. (laughs) You had to make some choices. Yeah. So that actually kind of makes me think of, uh, you know, I feel like a lot of people are um, wary to, you know, let somebody else be in charge of the finances. But I feel like in any good relationship, like I know it works that way with me and my fiance, you guys have always been that way. It's okay to have a strength, right? Play to your strengths. If you're good at budgeting and you're good at the finances, do that. For me and in my relationship, I'm the one who's in charge of the budgeting and the finance. So there's a trust value involved in that too. 
So I have to make, I mean, back then, I was not happy about a $20 a week budget. But at the same time, I also knew and trusted mom was going to make the best decision possible. And look where we're at today. Obviously, that strategy worked quite well. And it's because I, I trusted her and knew that uh, our money was in great hands. In much better hands with her than it was with me. And that's a fact. And I feel like that kind of self-awareness as well is <laughs> just absolutely necessary because, you know, I think uh, it took some time for me to reach that point too. You know, I had some financial struggles going through my career changes early on in my early 20s. And, you know, uh, it definitely was an eye-opening experience that took some time to get over. And that considering that I thought I trained you guys with a, with a credit. <laughs> Well, you did the best you could, but there's certain things that like your like your experience with the credit cards, you yeah. know, that's not something that you would have explicitly taught us. You yeah. taught us to make payments on time, but that only goes so far if you don't know what the consequences <laughs> are, if you don't know what happens if you don't pay them on time. All right. That's true. <clears throat> um, so let's talk about some of your more long-term goals. So we've, we've discussed a little bit of the short term and, you know, obviously it's a little bit easier to think short term because the motivations are right there in front of you. So Mm -hmm. you have your good defined why and, and what's helping you achieve those goals. So when you, you know, back then when you were in your mid twenties, what were you thinking about in terms of your long-term financial future? Well, one of the things that uh, I realized very quickly, and that was primarily with the experience with the credit card was, I just didn't like to pay interest, period. So with that, uh, our first home, of course, we had to finance it in 30 years. And, uh, and then what I did is like we set money aside too, and it wasn't much because back then we didn't make a lot of money. So it was like $100 extra to the principal every month. Mm-hmm. And that definitely helped us over the time where we live in the house that was six years to lower, to at least put a little bit more towards the principal. It was back then a little bit more than a, like a one month a year. So it, it actually helped us when we sold it mm-hmm. uh, to buy our next house. We had a, a decent amount of uh, equity in the house. And then once that happened, the second home, we actually purchased it, uh, was it 30 years or 15 years? No, that one was 30 years to start with. So that one also was 30 years. Uh, but we didn't go VA on that one. We did conventional. We did conventional. And then that at that point, I knew that if I put more money towards it, uh, towards the principal, I was going to be able to pay it off much sooner. So at that point, I started promoting. And that money, like I mentioned before, I increased my 401k and everything will go to the principal. So we pay that that house that was originally for 30 years, we paid it in nine years. Can I interject here for a second? Yes, of course. So I remember, and, and I think we talked about this earlier today, uh, I remember too that we talked about extra money. So extra money being when you're working in law enforcement, I mean, at the time I could work overtime or extra mm-hmm. jobs, mm-hmm. but that wasn't part of my base salary. And then you eventually promoted to an area where you weren't getting just a base salary, but also bonus. Mm-hmm. So we, we did not, that, and I remember talking to you about specifically because of a training course that I attended that said, you know, there were so many cops that got themselves into financial trouble because they relied on those extra jobs in overtime. And I remember telling you, we can't do that. We, we've got kids, so we need to use just our base budget. And everything else above that is exactly that. It's extra. So you treated it like, I mean, unbelievably well. Unbelievably well. That went well, for me, that us. was not our money. Something that we also did that I think that is healthy for hang on, everyone. Hang on a second. 
you just made a very profound statement. That was not our money. What does that mean? Well, because we couldn't count on that money. So then to me, that was, that was really extra money. I just wanted to use that money to help us financially. So it was like we weren't counting on it. We didn't have it in the budget. So I didn't want to waste it per se. So that went to the principal of the house and, and the 401k, which really long, long term, it became savings and opportunities for us to invest. And that is a great savings account. Yeah, no, and, and if you think about the paradigm shift that I went through, for example, once I understood the whole thing with the homes, with our personal homes, because like any young person, professional you know like before then you know I love cars I love BMWs I had BMWs for many many years until I had to actually trade in my BMW and you get nothing for a car that you pay thousands and thousands of dollars and then I just kind of like as I mature is like this is the worst investment ever so why not really use my money for what matters and it's going to multiply. So then in that case, dad and I, you know, to me, well, also that I'm from Guatemala, but uh, to me, a car is, it takes me back and forth. It's, it's a way to get places. It doesn't have to be the latest and greatest. At least for me, our money is much better spent if we can reinvest it in actually real estate. Absolutely. And I mean, especially nowadays, there's hardly a difference between, you know, a, a super expensive BMW or a Lexus or whatever, and your higher trim Toyota or, you know, I mean, there's no need nowadays with technology in the direction that it's gone. All those, you know, things that used to be the bells and whistles on those older luxury cars are pretty standard across the board now. So um, I think that's, you know, kind of something else is there's no need. Mm -hmm. Again, He's back to the needs and the wants, <laughs> exactly. right? <laughs> <clears throat> Funny yeah. how it all circles back around. It sure uh -huh. does. Okay, well, uh, so, I mean, that that pretty much wraps up uh, that portion of it. So, you know, getting intentional about setting your financial goals, knowing where you want your, your financial future to take you, um, and getting intentional about your budget is extremely important. So um, let's kind of move into the next tip that you had, which was 401ks and retirement solutions. So um, First off, why don't we explain a little bit more in depth to our listeners who may not know what a 401k is, what exactly is it, what are the benefits of it, and um, and how do they differ from employer to employer? So in my case, I was very fortunate. I have always had a 401k, and the contributions uh, vary between 3% and 4%, at least with my employers. Mm -hmm. So you can contribute, I will say, as much as you can, uh, there's definitely a cap, as I learned in my two recent years, you cannot contribute too much. 
uh, because definitely the government monitors that. But um, as I as I mentioned before, as I progress in my career, instead of like getting into buying super expensive items, I increase my 401k. So the past probably five years, I contribute 20% of my salary of every paycheck towards my 401k. And then the advantage of using your 401k is that if you have enough money aside, if you have enough money put into your 401k, you can loan against your 401k and you're paying yourself interest. Yeah, you can literally, yeah, you can borrow against the 401k. So for us, uh, the first rental, the first investment home, we actually borrow from my 401k to put the down payment. So then we borrow like $50,000 and then you're paying yourself that interest. So it's like 8%. But at that point, who cares? You're paying yourself interest, so that's fine. <laughs> yeah, and and to kind of go a little bit further into the explanation of the 401k, when I used to work at Chipotle, I, I too was taking advantage of a 401k, and every company is going to be a little bit different, but um, basically what it is is you contribute a percentage of your income to this 401k, and then the company matches that, per- not always matches, but Um, to an extent matches it. So if you put up 5%, maybe it's they match 3% on the first three and then half a percent on any additional percentage up to 5% or whatever. Um, And basically it's it's free money from the company that you work for. It literally increases your salary if you contribute to it. Um, But there's always you know, some, some stipulations, right? You can't draw from it early. There's penal, uh, penalties and taxes if you have to take money out of it early. Um, unless you're working in situations like what you're mentioning where you're borrowing against it. Um, if your interest rate is, you know, out performs the rate that you have on the, the 401k, then, you know, it's still essentially free money that you can borrow. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. So like in Guatemala, we didn't have 401k. So I, I, my mom definitely instinct me that we needed savings, <laughs> right? Savings were important. Save part of your salary for like, you know, whenever you might need it. So I used to save when I was in Guatemala, but when I came to the U.S., I, I'm not going to lie. I really don't save a lot of money because the interest that you get is, is very minimal. So I contribute to 401k and then of course now, uh, investments. Yeah. And, uh, so actually I kind of want to touch on some of the other investments that you have, you know, being that we're in the investment segment of this episode. Um, you know, y'all have a very diversified portfolio that y'all have been able to leverage some of your earlier real estate investments to help y'all get into some of these other things. So why don't we take a minute to talk about some of the opportunities that you've been presented with because of your investment strategy and the way that you have managed your money over the years? Well, so that and I actually was that idea um, after, why don't you tell them the story when you had to write that big check to the, <laughs> to the IRS when we paid off. I was so proud that we paid off our house in nine years because I thought this is freedom. Well, in the contrary, because we didn't have enough deductions, then we had to pay more taxes. So dad uh, suggested, he says, you know, we, we need to get into a, an investment property. So why don't you kind of like share that, that story? Yeah, so uh, I remember back in, I think it was 2007 when we paid off that house. And in 2008, we, were, uh, we had our taxes done and I looked and all of a sudden we had to send a great big fat check to the IRS. I was furious. 
I want to say it was like $7,000 or something. And up to that point, I had never written a check that large. I mean, for me, a large check was 500 and I would get kind of nervous. Yeah. So, and I asked mom, I don't know how many times, do we have this kind of money in the bank? We can actually write this check. Because when I say I turned my finances, our finances over to mom, 100%, even today, I rarely look at our bank accounts. I don't need to. I trust her so much. I don't even worry about that anymore. But at that time, writing a $7,000 check was a big worry to me. But anyway, I wrote the check, and I told her, I said, we're done with that. We've got to find another way to do this. And that's when I started really digging into, okay, so we get deductions if we own homes. How many other deductions can we get if we own an investment home? So I started, to, and I don't remember who I had that conversation with, but it was, we've got to buy an investment property. So we, we literally found one. I, had, I remember driving around uh, in patrol in this one neighborhood, and I sent your mom an address and said, we need to look at this one. And we had a realtor at the time, and that's when we bought Ebony. And, yeah. I mean, it's been crazy now, since. Now, I have to be honest, it wasn't an easy decision for me because for me, it was like, what do you mean we have to buy another house? What if, what if we try to rent it and it doesn't rent right away what if they you know we have to have two how you know like have to pay the whole thing and nobody's paying for it i mean there was a lot of back and forth that we had to really we had to overcome several fears mm -hmm. because it was the first time we did it so in 2009 um we actually purchased our first investment home we we renovated it and because of the location, we actually rented it right away. So, so that was a blessing as well. You know, sometimes you have to get lucky because uh, the, the place where we actually purchased the home in Houston is very central. And that was one of the reasons that we did purchase the home there because it was centrally located. Mm -hmm. uh, the neighborhood was up and coming. We had done some research on that. Um, so and, you know, we, we did pay too much for the house in comparison to what the market said we should have been paying. But at the time, and, and, and I think this is important even for today's market, but at the time, we didn't think about that quite so much. We knew that the seller had a couple other offers from investors, and they were coming in with lowball offers, and I think the property was listed at 150 and we decided, you know what, let's go in at 150 We, we did 155 No, that was the other one. That, this one we bought for 150 so uh, I'll never forget that because the other one we we offered 165 and we eventually got it for 155 but on the first one it was 150 and they took it right away there was no no more back and forth and I remember thinking at the time we're just paying too much for this house it was a little tiny 1100 square foot house on a 7,000 square foot lot in Oak Forest mind you this same neighborhood I used to chase gangsters around we had shootings and all kinds of crazy stuff. It was a violent neighborhood back in the day. And here it is just 10 years later, and we're buying this property in that same neighborhood. So there were a lot of fears that we had to overcome ourselves. I think the there's a pretty big distinction there too, though, um, in that y'all looked at this as a long-term play, right? This wasn't right. something that y'all planned to get in there and flip and turn around very yeah. quickly. So purchase price, you know, real estate, we say this a lot, but real estate is very forgiving over time. And I think the strategy behind why you purchased that property was to get the mortgage interest deductions mm -hmm. and to help lower those taxes. So it wasn't like we're going to buy this and flip it really quick. It was, no. we're buying this to hold on to it so that we can take advantage of the tax benefits of having this property. Exactly. So I think that's a, that's a pretty significant distinction that other people should, should be aware of. That, Correct. Know. Exactly. Yeah. <clears throat>
And then once, of course, everything worked out like beautifully with that house, then it's almost like you learn a lot by your own experiences. So at that point, then we, our home in Cyprus, we used to live in Cyprus, we had a big home. And of course, Diego had already gone to the Marines and Sofia was heading to college already. She was graduating that year. Um, and then you just had two years left. Mm -hmm. And that kept telling me, we need to downsize. You know, you, after the kids head to college, you know we need to downsize. And me being from Guatemala, I'm like, no, 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 no. I want my kids to come back to their old house and have their own rooms. Uh, and not just in culturally, you know, you have to also kind of like go for a win-win. Yeah. Uh, you're going to hear me quote a lot of Stephen Covey as I was blessed to be part of uh, the facilitator team for one of um, for the seven habits. So I, I really admire him and, and, and love it. But anyhow, going back to what we were talking about, we, we decided, okay, well, eventually downsizing makes sense, right? So a year later, after we purchased the, ho the home in Ebony, we started looking for other properties. But we weren't ready to buy right away. But with Dad's uh, adv adv advice of downsizing, we thought, well, let's kind of like just keep our eyes peeled and we'll, we'll see if something comes up. Well, I remember, too, we, we actually were ready to buy, but not ready to actually pull the trigger. Mm -hmm. So we had gotten pre-approved with a lender. So I knew we were pre-approved for 165, and we were doing another VA loan. So it's important to note that we didn't have, because mom is actually putting all of our money into the, the principal and interest on, on various things, we didn't have a lot of money in savings. Mm -hmm. So our goals have kind of shifted now. So we need to look at, okay, how can we buy this other home? When then we stumbled across Ebony, and I mean uh, 31st. When we stumbled across that one, I mean literally we're driving around the neighborhood and saw a sign and called her. Uh, the listing agent and met her. She gave it, went us through the house. And I remember they were asking 240 for it. And I told her, I said, I'm sorry, we're, we're only pre-approved for 165. And she said, submit the offer. So I thought, I wonder what's wrong with this place. Mm -hmm. So we called our realtor and he submitted the offer for us. And we went under contract for 165. I was shocked that they took it. Mind you, this is a corner lot, very close to downtown Houston. I mean, we're talking a 10 minute drive to downtown Houston, 15 minutes with heavy traffic uh, and then with I mean, a pool just, and a house in the back yeah oh. a pool and a little <laughs> pool house and a huge lot 17,000 square foot but in lot. all fairness that house you needed a vision that <laughs> yeah. house had like five bathrooms it was just scary but the location was awesome the lot was beautiful uh, but you really I mean we had to go into hire architects we, we pretty much gutted the entire house because it, it had like above the master, it had like a, what, what do you There was a loft that, that was too short to be counted as square footage. I remember that, actually. This is the one that I helped y'all redesign. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly. right. Yes, that, that's the one. And actually, I saved all that um, because you were taking architecture classes and you did the... the the floor plan. Basically, floor plan, the floor yeah. plan design is yours, and then we just formalize it with an architect. Uh, but as I mentioned, you know, once you do it once, it's almost like you put a little bit of experience under your belt, and you're like, you know, we can, we can do this. So a year later, we actually pulled the trigger, and we started the construction on, on this next house that was actually 
was going to be our primary residence, and we were going to my house. Yeah, and we were going to rent. <laughs> How'd that work out? <laughs> I'm not there anymore. <laughs> and we were going to rent um, our house in Cyprus, and eventually we were going to sell it. So the advantage of having these investment properties is that the more you pay towards the principal, of course, the more equity you have in the home. Mm -hmm. So that equity, mind you, you can use it for whatever is important to you. So in our case, you know, we had college that we, that we had to pay. We also uh, decided to go into a new business with your brother and uh, we leveraged basically the equity that we had in one of the homes and we purchased a Smoothie King uh, together. So, you know, there's endless possibilities as far as what you can do when you have, it, it truly gives you financial freedom because everything that you pay into your personal home, your investment homes, uh, you can utilize that equity uh, we just recently utilized, we started with a home equity line of credit mm -hmm. uh, because we wanted to diversify our portfolio in addition to the 401k and the rental homes. We wanted to buy some land to try something new because over time it's going to continue to appreciate. Mm -hmm. So we did that and we purchased some, some land that we hope will appreciate in the future. Absolutely. And, um, you know, there, there's a couple of different ways that you can borrow against equity. The home equity line of credit, as you mentioned, is one of them. Um, there's also cash out refinances that you can do. Um, so, you know, uh, when I talk about real estate to people who don't have a lot of education on it, I always like to refer to um, your mortgage payment as almost like a forced savings account, right? Um, because that's what it is. It's an appreciating asset that you can continue to put money into. And then over time, you have enough equity in it that you can actually borrow against it, much like you can your 401k and other types of investments um, to be able to utilize that equity and leverage it to make other investments or pay for um, college and, you know, those other life necessities right <clears throat> so if i can make a statement here that's important i think for our listeners <clears throat> and that is it is not our strategy has been very effective it's done well for your kids it's done great for us um, but it's it's an investment strategy strategy that takes years to build up you're not going to become a millionaire overnight doing our strategy you're just not you are going to become a millionaire at some point it's just not going to happen overnight. In addition to that, it gives you the strength to be able to build up your portfolio so that at some point, and this is where our, our goals are. You know, I remember recently we just achieved one of the biggest goals of our careers, and that was your mom to actually retire and not have to go to work again. That's awesome. That's where we're at right now. And we're, it, we're planning on extending it out even, even further so that at some point even I don't have to work anymore. I don't need to now, but... I like it. I enjoy it. And now because we're in that position, we can do things that we like to do uh, that is much more comfortable for us while we're still bringing in income. That passive income is awesome. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, and that is something that really we kind of like stumble into these opportunities. And uh, we, I felt like we were smart financially. We really didn't have a, a whole lot of tools to guide us through. Uh, you know, I love bigger pockets listening to all their stories. And then little that we knew, we actually did several of what they actually recommend without knowing the name or, 
uh, having a lot of knowledge. Yeah, house hacking and burring and all that. They've just they've attached terminology to all these things that y'all just instinctively did. Yeah, well, not instinctively. We did, like Mom said, we stumbled into it. But then once we stumbled into it, we learned the strategies and we learned how to put things into place and the relationships. The relationships are huge. Mom still has a number of them of the folks that we worked with in Houston, which allows us to have a network that we can work with there to continue our investment strategy. Mm -hmm. So even though we stumbled into it, now we're intentional about what we do. And we know, I mean, we're products of it. So we know how effective it is. Yeah, the other thing is that you have to be open to change and recognize opportunities. Because a lot of times, you know, through our lives, we have things that come along the way that you can either run away because you're not familiar or you can jump in it and take advantage of it. Uh, another uh, time of our lives that I feel like it really changed the path of where we were going, you know, when I had the opportunity to move to San Diego, that was probably the scariest, most aggressive move ever uh, we ever made, but we decided how how cool to have an opportunity to live in a different city, especially San Diego, of course. Yeah. Um, and I remember when I started looking at homes there, it was outrageous because California pricing is nothing like Texas, absolutely nothing. The taxes, everything is different. And I remember when uh, I talked to dad about buying a home in, in San Diego, he was like, at the beginning, he was very skeptical. He was like, there, you must be out of your mind. We can't do that. <laughs> and I, you know, follow my instincts. I, I apply. I, you know, completed the process and I got pre-approved and I started the search. And of course, that eventually, you know, kind of like jumped on the bus and, and supported me on the decision. But we did. We did. And that have only that home in San Diego. Uh, we leased it for one year or two years. Right. We lived in it for about, well, you were in it for about two years. No, not even, about yeah. a year and a half. For a year and a half. When I got <coughs> transferred back to Texas, mm -hmm. then we had to rent it because, of course, you know, when you cannot just buy a home and, and, and sell it without having to consider what you pay in closing costs and all those things. So then we decided to lease it. Yeah, because we didn't want to lose I mean, it's, it's one right. thing to, yeah, I mean, even if we break even, that's okay. We didn't want to lose. Losing right. in real estate, that, shame on us if we allow that to happen. Yeah. So, yeah, that's when we became intentional about that strategy. Yeah, so, so we leased it, but when we sold it. A year uh, later. A year later, of course, we, we make, you know, we make pretty good money on that. And that helped us transition to our next move uh and in purchasing the home in san antonio so yeah. so we have been very blessed with a lot of opportunities and recognizing that and and being willing to change yeah change and i and change. i think i saw something uh i don't know on instagram or something recently and i wish i could remember where the quote was from but um it was something about choosing your heart right um getting getting intentional about your finances and making those sacrifices is hard being in debt is just as hard. You have to choose what you want to work towards. Um, so I think, you know, that's a very important thing is, it, you know, it's, it's not going to be easy. Life in general is difficult. Um, you just have to choose what you want to put your effort into. 
And I think uh, getting intentional about your finances is 100% one of the things that you should put the effort into. Absolutely. I agree. You know, one of the other things, and we didn't mention this just yet, but one of the things that we did incorporate, so we make it sound like we struggled throughout all of these years and we didn't have any fun. Well, that's not true either. So one of the things that we did that, I mean, looking back on it, I still think it was probably a wise move, but it's not the best move that we made. We bought one of those timeshares. And I'm not a big fan of timeshares. However, uh, with this one, we bought it. And the reason we bought it was to force us to go on vacation every year. So with that said, we took your kids across the country, literally California to Florida and even up north uh, on numerous vacations because it forced us to do that every year. And then we did something special for us, too. So, so of course, you know, uh, for all those married people, you know, once you get married and start having children, they become almost like the center of your life, uh, which is great. I mean, it's, there's nothing more beautiful than having your own family. Uh, but you can have the tendency of forgetting about each other and putting all your focus on your, your kids. So for us, something that we decided that we wanted to do was take some time away from everything. And we had, we were very blessed that my mom lived with us at the time and she could help us take care of the kids when we were away. But every three years, we did like a trip for just the two of us, like a, another little honeymoon to kind of stay connected. And um, yeah, we have done it ever since. So 30 years later, you know, it's, it's kind of great to to be able to share our story with you guys. Yeah, and it, I mean, it's awesome. Life is all about choices. You have, you're presented with tons of choices in life. And I think the decisions that y'all made were very intentional and you know, they, you put all the focus in the right areas. So, you know, I'm very thankful for having you guys as, as role models to, you know, kind of show me the way through life. It's definitely been awesome. <clears throat> so, um, our last topic of the day, and we'll try to make it relatively short because I think we're running a little bit over our normal uh, our normal time here. But um, let's talk about credit scores. So um, you know we've talked about a lot of different uh, strategies that you can use, and all of those strategies have a pretty direct correlation to your credit score. So let's talk about um, in general how, what what do the things that we've talked about today? How do they impact your score? And also, how does your score give you the options to do the things that you did um, with your with your finances? Well, credit score, honestly, is very simple. Just protect it. You have to guard it. I remember when I was younger, you know, I will go to a store uh, on Macy's, JCPenney's, and, you know, they will offer you 10% of your purchase off if you open a credit card. And he's like, yeah, 10% of that's awesome. Well, nowadays, you know, you can offer me 20% on a credit card that I don't need and I will still turn it down regardless if I'm going to save $300. And that is because now I protect my credit score. Now I have, you know, an 830 credit score, which I've, you know, we, we have worked hard to to increase it throughout all these years. But when I want to, when we want to go and purchase something uh, from a home to car insurance to you name it. I mean, if they look at your credit score, the higher your credit score, the more opportunities and possibilities that you have. So uh, regardless of your age, if you don't know anything about credit scores, 
now you cannot go ignorant ever again. You, you can pop a YouTube video, you can Google it, find out what it takes to make sure that you can take care of your credit and that you build a good credit score. So you're never in a position of having to, you know, be, have a lot of limits because you didn't act on time to protect your credit. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's important too, like, like you said, there's no excuse. I mean, information is everywhere. There is no reason for you to not understand what it is that goes into your credit score. But if you don't, we'll give kind of a brief explanation here. So basically, you have to have credit, period, yeah. right? You don't build good credit by avoiding credit cards. That's not what you do. You have to have loans. You have to have credit cards. You have to have um, you know, things that are positively feeding your credit. But at the end of the day, it has to positively feed your credit. That means you can't be maxing out your, your cards. You can't miss payments. You can't, um, you, well, you can, but you don't want to open too many accounts in a short period of time or have too many inquiries on your, on your credit report at one time. So again, it comes back to being intentional. Um, you know, I, I made that mistake early on. I bought a house and as soon as I closed on my house, I was like, I need to put stuff in here. And I spent all my money and I went to Best Buy and I went to, um, mattress firm and bought new furniture and I financed everything. And I thought I was all, you know, oh, I'm so awesome. I got this all figured out. Well, no, I didn't. And it caused me <laughs> more headaches than I can even, I'm, I mean, it's just crazy. So, um, you know, you have, don't be afraid of credit. Just understand it know how to utilize it and how it can hurt you if you don't utilize it correctly um, and then that's going to help set you up for success for the long term so one of the things that we've done that uh, i think has been fantastic for our credit uh, is actually uh, we use one credit card for every purchase it doesn't matter if it's the grocery store if it's gas if it's clothing it doesn't matter what it is we use one credit card and then your mom pays that bill at the end of the month that doesn't mean we pay the entire balance because if you do that and you don't carry a balance on that credit card, it's going to negatively impact your credit. So what you want is to carry a balance on that credit card. You just don't want to pay interest. So if you pay the entire balance, then you're defeating the purpose. If you pay what the balance is for the end of that month and you carry the forward statement the statement balance, balance. Yes. then that is going to help you. Because then you're carrying a balance the next month. So let's assume for the sake of argument, just for, for demonstration's sake, you have a $5,000 credit limit and you've got $1,000 worth of uh, a credit card statement, but your total balance is $1,200. You paid the $1,000, the $200 carries over, so it shows that you still have $4,800 left on that card. That shows that you could borrow up to $4,800, not a problem at all. That's what adds to your end. The other thing is you have to have that credit statement. The payments, you need 13 payments to positively affect your credit score. And then once you do that, and you really want to improve your credit score, buy a house. As soon as you buy a house, I'm telling you, credit companies will trip over themselves to give you money. It is crazy. It's 100% true. I remember my inbox, my mail inbox was just packed with credit card offers yep. and personal loans and this, that, and the other. Yep. And I mean, yeah, it was, it was honestly hard to turn your head the other way. But you have to turn your you. head the other way. You and do. you still have to, and, and that's the thing, especially for our first-time buyers, when they've never done this before, and we get these questions all the time. I mean, I get pictures, should I keep this? Should I throw this away? And I simply tell them, look, it's your credit. Do what you want with it. If it's me, all that crap's going in the trash. I'm not even going to open it. I don't care. If I need credit, I know where I'm going to go to get it. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to worry about all these things that they send me. It's just not going to happen. And 
whatever you do, if you're going to buy a house, don't buy anything else or yeah. don't open any credit cards in the process. No, don't. We've had that happen way too many times. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yep. Well, I think that pretty much covers everything that we wanted to touch on for today's episode. Um, but before we get you out of here, we have our traditional questions that we like to ask all of our guests so that our listeners can get to know you a little bit more. Um, so, Dad, I'm going to let you kick it off with the first question. I think I already know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask it anyway. What was the first concert you ever attended? I think it was Luis Miguel. It was. <laughs> with me. <laughs> with you? Who bought the tickets? I did. You did? That okay. did, yeah. Awesome, yeah. awesome. Uh, Mom, what is your current favorite hobby? Oh, my gosh. This is hard because I have a lot of hobbies. But my favorite hobby currently, I will say, is the Peloton. <laughs> I, I would agree with that one, yeah. And I'll tell you, if you don't have a Peloton or if you haven't tried to take advantage of the app or you don't even necessarily need the bike, that is a really, really cool, fun way to get some exercise. Move your body a little bit and do it and have some fun in the process. We need Peloton to pay us for this ad. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> <clears throat> Dad, number three. Uh, let's see. Ah, who's the most memorable person you've ever met? Oh, my gosh. I've been so blessed. I've met some amazing people but i will say probably it's barbara bush and stephen covey i knew that was those were your two answers yes so for those of you who don't know stephen covey is the writer of the seven habits of highly effective people um, and there's many variations of that book for teens and professionals and business owners and things of that nature um but yeah, that that's a really awesome one. I remember how old, I think I was 13 or 14 when you when you put highly effective teens in front of me. Um, and I mean, I was reluctant to read it, but I'm glad that I did. Absolutely. <clears throat> um, Mom, what is the most exotic place that you have ever visited? Most exotic place. Oh, my gosh, that's hard to tell because I consider between the jungles in Costa Rica to Machu Picchu Ma oh Machu probably Machu Picchu in Peru yeah I was gonna say I was gonna say Maui I loved my experience in Maui but I think Machu Picchu was one of the best and Tikal in Guatemala mm -hmm. so I love to travel we love to travel and we have been in some amazing places yeah, that's awesome. And uh, our last question um, is typically how do uh, do our listeners reach you? Um, for those of you who don't know, she is uh, pretty much our financier with uh, our Chapel Realty Group team. So if you reach one of us, you'll be able to get a hold of her. Uh, but I want to ask you a, a different question. What is your favorite, um, and you don't get off easy by saying the seven habits of highly effective people, but what is your favorite, uh, your favorite business book or self-development book that you've read? Uh, I will say From Great to Greatness. From Good to Great? From Good, from to, good great. to Great, That yeah. one, yeah, okay. I knew I was going to chop the, the name. <laughs> but The Seven Habits, by far, is, is one that changed my life forever. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Mom, thank you so much for joining us on the episode today. Dad, do you have any uh, closing thoughts for us before we, we sign off? Yes, as a matter of fact, thank you very much, Mia Moore, for joining us. It's been... Uh, been a great episode. I think uh, there's a lot of really valuable information for 
just about all of our followers and listeners to, to fall back on. So thank you very much. It's thank been great. You. Uh, and also, I want to make sure that our audience understands referrals, referrals, referrals. I think we've proven ourselves already uh, to be very rounded. We have a lot of relationships with a lot of different places, uh, a lot of different places, a lot of different people. Uh, so uh, referrals. By all means, if you've got a question or you need somebody, reach out to us. We will put you in touch with somebody uh, to help you out in whatever it is. We don't care what it is. You need it. You get hold of us. We'll take care of it. And please refer us if you need a, a realtor. We're here for you. Absolutely. Well, thank you guys again for tuning into the Chapel Real Estate Show. This is the Chapel Realty Group signing off. See you guys on the next one. See ya. Bye. Thank you for joining us this week on the Chapel Real Estate Show. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with a friend and leave us a review. Find us on social media at Chapel Realty Group and online at chapelrealtygroup.com. Until next time.